Back in 2016, John Favreau was kind enough to be the very first person we recorded for our film music podcast, Soundtracking. 151 episodes later, John returns to discuss his flabbergasting remake of Disney's 1994 musical, The Lion King, a mind-boggling photorealistic animation starring Donald Glover, Seth Rogen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Billy Eichner and Beyoncé. As with the original, this new film is scored by Hans Zimmer with Elton John returning to rework his compositions from the original alongside South African composer, producer and singer Le Bohem. Plenty more on their fine contributions shortly. Before that, a word from our friends at Thriver, a finger prick blood test that lets you understand and track your health. It's quite extraordinary what you can find out with insights into everything from your sleep, mood and fitness levels to key biomarkers like cholesterol, vitamin D and liver function. Simply do the test at home and post your sample to Thriver's third-party accredited lab. Within 48 hours, you'll get your GP results and personal recommendations on how to improve all via your online dashboard. So head to Thriver.co and personalise your own Thriver kit using promo code SOUND to get £25 off. That's Thriver.co with the code SOUND for a discount on your finger prick blood test. And so to John via a tune you'll find impossible not to sing along to as performed by Billy and Seth, a.k.a. Timon and Pumba. say a massive thank you because you were the first ever interview we did for this podcast no kidding yeah which for what project soundtracking oh yes, and yes. so um that what, was, what was it for, for, for jungle like book? for jungle book for yeah jungle which book, is okay. three years uh that's right. coming up in august for us right. yeah so thank that's you right. and it's great to have you back for the lion king which you teased us with when we last spoke you were oh, like yeah you. i'm doing it yes. it's next congratulations first of all on this and the music obviously is such a huge part of this film from the original and when you started thinking about how you wanted to approach the music side of this film i don't know where did you start with it was it always going to be the case that hans was going to come yeah i mean the hope was you had hans zimmer and you had lebo m and 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 then to to get elton john back and tim rice yeah and and then all the new you know the casting uh i really wanted to cast it with people that would sing themselves Mm -hmm. so bringing in donald glover and beyonce yeah and, uh, and and then the whole thing kind of opened up but but i knew we wanted to stay very true to to the original because the music is, uh, as I've learned through the process of working on all the visual, the beautiful visuals on it, the music is still the, um, it's still the key ingredient to this film. Was it an interesting conversation with, what was a conversation with Hans about how he would 
not update it. That's a, 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 I think not a, 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 the right choice of word, but maybe reimagine it or yeah. You know, I you know, to me, I just knew it's like casting. If you get the right person yeah. in the role, you're just putting the ingredients together, and you're going to trust that they're going to. You know, you could you could guide them slightly, but really, what you're trying to do is inspire them to do their best work. And and in the case of Hans Zimmer, just getting him and and he felt the the pressure, and he had the the sense of what was required. Much of it was because he felt that he was very compromised the first time around, if you could believe it. Wow. So, well, he said that last night. Yeah. The Q and A. He wasn't kidding. It wasn't being coy. He said, I, I got to go back and correct some mistakes. Yeah, so. there was a lot of you know digital instruments. He never got the full orchestra he wanted. He. He, uh, the way he tells it, he, I, I think they never even released the, the full score at the time. He felt wow. that it was so compromised, which is so, um, to me, mind-boggling because yeah. it's such a, it's such a, a, a moment. It's like, a, you know, it's like talking about a Sgt. Pepper, you know, it's like talking <laughs> yeah. about a classic album. It was perfect. They built upon it with songs of the Pride Lands that came later with Lebo. He continued to, you know, Lebo started to build upon what they started. Mm. Si 
Incredibly interesting story, if you, if you speak to him, about what was happening politically in South Africa at the time that the score was being recorded in the choir, because that was when Mandela was coming into leadership mm. and was free, and and there was a sense of uh, renewal in that part of the world, and the and they were recording in the middle of all of this, and it was really capturing that energy, which is something that you know, I didn't understand that background to to how it was being done, but you could feel the energy totally. in, in the original. So to let Hans, you know, reunite with the people that he had worked with before and bringing Lebo in and having all of them explain what it was like the first time around. And the fact that they were embracing the imagery and the, and, and the approach that I was taking, because it could have been off-putting to them. I didn't know. This was just a prospect that I had based on my experience working on Jungle Book and, and seeing what the technology could do and seeing how I could maybe be of service to retelling this tale in a way that was accurate and not taking it away from what people have come to love from the original. And so they would tell me stories about, you know, not just them, but people that were collaborating on this from the stage production, from Disney, people who aren't credited, who had worked on the original, all of all of whom had a tremendous interest in ensuring that this honored the legacy of the original. So I had this wonderful deep dive into the way a classic piece of cinema comes together. Mm -hmm. And much like Star Wars or, or, or Casablanca, you know, what we think back on as classics that were all inevitable at the time seemed extremely precarious and things come together in a way that are either guided by the hand of fate or luck or just the talents of people coming together for a moment in time. But here you have something that feels inevitable that at the time felt extremely uh, precarious and compromised. What's brilliant as well is he was very much starting out as a composer then, you know, in terms of it was a big deal for him. But I love how he's, how much he's, he loves what he does. He's, yes. His energy and his enthusiasm is infectious. It's incredible. Yes. And hearing him talk about how he actually recorded and rehearsed the yes. score for this in particular, which yes. which I know you were privy to and very oh, emotional and, and kind oh, of, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a very emotional ride. I mean, this is, I... It, it felt like a good idea to, to <laughs> I, I felt like I bring something to this and, and help uh, take this story to the to the new generation. What I didn't know was how emotional the journey would be and just looking at 
footage and animation and hearing voice performances and being there while the orchestra was scoring it, watching it as we color timed it and did sound mixes. And you're watching this, this story hundreds and hundreds of times. And it forces you to, you know, I think that subconsciously you choose projects that you work on because there's something that you have to work out that subconsciously you know you have to work out. And it forces you to deal with your, face your subconscious uh, mm -hmm. directly over the course of this. And so for three years to experience this, I think it's it's changed me as a person and emotionally. It's it's therapy. It's really, it's really <laughs> yeah. sophisticated therapy. Well, that's amazing because most people would probably say they need therapy after coming out yeah. of a three-year project. No, it, it is. Vice I mean, versa. And, and Hans talks about this, and he's yeah. really been quite a bit of a mentor. I'll say this because he's not in the room. But he's been a, a, a quite a mentor to me because he embraces the aspect of it that's not just geared towards the finished product, but, mm. but the process itself. I find that the, the masters that I've worked with all tend to have in common that it's the process that is the reward. And that, as, as Jeff Bridges said to me, we're working on Iron Man after rap one day, and he's as upbeat of a person as you can get and, and one that really loves what he does. Mm. He said to me, he said, the film, he says, that's just the skin of the snake. He says, this is the real thing, what we're doing right now. This is the, the process. This is the part that I love. And, and he was right. You know, you start off just wanting the movie, you want the poster on your wall, <laughs> yeah. you want the pats on the back, but it's the communal experience of working with these talented people mm -hmm. who are so dedicated and, and sharing this vision that becomes the, the real gift of, of this, the, the career that I am lucky enough to have. And Hans Zimmer was very much about, hey, let's get these people together, let's bring in these new people Let's incorporate this new song. Let's update this and let's not be afraid of the future. Mm. Let's not get too precious with the nostalgia, but let's also honor what came before. to people like him to help guide you through this and engage with a career where often you have to compromise because of circumstances or you have to figure out what's the best choice when none none are perfect mm. and how to maintain yourselves with you know he's a classy guy and he is someone that people seek out and he's you know seeing him work with uh, Elton John and Lebo M wow. and Pharrell 
and I hope Beyonce, you've got a picture of that. <laughs> it's really like in how he interacts and how he's yeah. ex- he's still authentically him, but they collaborative. Bond, but they're very collaborative, and, and 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 the music people collaborate in a way that us film people don't understand. I mean, in comedy, I get it, and it's fun with improv and fun to record with Seth and Billy, Billy and, yeah. and Donald Glover. Yeah. Um, and there is a sense of there there's a there's a tradition of collaboration there too. But with music, it's much more uh, like alchemy, and and to be able to have a front row seat as songs would come together or Pharrell and Hans would discuss something, or he, they'd both be playing or humming right in, 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 in a Hans's workshop and play it against picture, and just watching it kind of land on them. I'm very fortunate to, to have been in these rooms and been around people and, and watched these things unfold. It, it makes me really, uh, as a film fan and as a music fan, it just makes me really uh, appreciative. geek out absolutely yes. geek out yeah, totally. no, for sure. I mean the casting is extraordinary in the film and you know in particular with people like Beyonce and, and Donald who are these big characters big voices big personalities one of the many things that you've done brilliantly is the balance is so right in terms of their performance you know it's not about a kind of anything showy or, or whatever it's just and I guess that's quite a fine line to try and maneuver sure, as well sure but it's not me doing it really it's Beyonce deciding that she's you know Beyonce could break all the windows in the building with her voice <laughs> if she wanted to, but she's choosing in yeah. Can You Feel the Love Tonight with Donald Glover to compliment what he's doing and the moment and the story point and yeah. not take away from that and be of service to the story, that the story is greater than the individual here. I can see what's happening. I can't what? And they don't have a clue. Who's they? They'll fall in love, and here's the bottom line. Our trio's down to two. Oh, I get it. The sweet caress of twilight. Yeah. There's magic everywhere. It's everywhere. And with all this romantic atmosphere, disasters in the
feel the same way with what I do and I invite all the visual effects artists and the animators not to ever draw attention to away from the story and when you have all these talented people working towards the same goal you really get this sublime outcome but it comes from everybody um, sharing this these priorities and and they're wonderful personalities and I just I have a really good I have a really good taste for casting I, I've the people that I've worked with have mm. have really created my career whether it's in the comedies or the superhero movies or, or here, it's knowing what ingredients put, to put together. And that's if, if there's one thing that I've learned and take pride in is my ability to recognize talent in other people and to help support that and encourage that and, and find a way to incorporate what they do in a way that they feel honors what their contribution is and that the outcome comes out as something that they're proud of. Mm. And so by really letting the vision hit me for how this all comes together and then not taking no for an answer <laughs> and making sure that I, I you know it's best for the project yeah. to get these these people together mm. and then let them do their thing yeah and then get out of the way and not try to change what they do or control what they do but give them context help it all uh, work together but ultimately not try to you know I found that as an actor I found that many directors try to manipulate because it's easier mm-hmm and I, I think that it doesn't lend itself to the best creative process. And now that I'm in a position to allow it to happen, I try to keep the, the, the parameters of what improvisation is to say yes and to accept, to open your mind to choices you might not expect and see where they may lead you, mm. knowing full well that you have ample time to help <laughs> corral all of this creativity into um, a unified vision, but never start from a position of, of understanding yeah. more than you do. Talking about the improvisation, Billy and, and, and Seth, as these two characters that we have grown up with and loved and the way that they have completely taken ownership and made almost, I think I said last night, always made their own new characters. I think it's so brilliantly done and their chemistry together is just extraordinary. I missed them. I'm going to get one of those vultures one day. I'm going to get one. I don't know why it's so important to you. I just feel like it would make me feel better. (gasps) Oh no, it's a little lion. That is not a lion. Well, then go check it out. What is that it? That is not a lion. It's a furry bird. It looks like a lion. Yeah, that's not a lion. Let me get a closer look. Excuse me. Oh, all right, let me see what we're dealing with here. It's a lion! Run for your life, Pumbaa! Wait, 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 It's a little lion! It gets bigger. Can we keep him? Can we please keep him? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I promise. I'll walk him every day. If he makes a little mess, I'll clean it up. You'll I'll be, be his little mess. He's going to eat you and then use my body as a toothpick. But one day, when he's big and strong... He'll be on our side. I've got it. What if he's on our side? Hear me out! Having a ferocious lion around might not be such a bad idea. Well then, can we keep him? Yes, of course we can keep him! Well, My God, who is the brains of this operation? We're gonna name him Fred! You can't guess that kind of thing, though. You know, in No, terms I, of knew, you- I knew that they would have the guts to do it, and I knew that being funny and delivering a good... doing good work was gonna be more important to them than anything. Yeah. And and I knew that there, you know, there were 
really Timon and Pumbaa, especially Timon, and then also Scar. Those were the roles where I knew I needed I needed to really have the right people in them because those were the characters that were going to receive the most scrutiny because uh, you had James Earl Jones reprising his role as Mufasa, but then you had the most iconic voice performances from the original. Uh, now you had new cast members reinterpreting mm-hmm. them. And you, it's very hard to compete with people's memory of these wonderful performances from the original. But we were asking them to differentiate these characters from the original. And so Chiwetel Ejiofor, great, great um, stage performer, has the depth and understanding of, you know, uh, you know, of how to play a Shakespearean mm. villain. <laughs> yeah. But also a great instrument, great vocal control. Yeah. His voice is... Uh, is trained he understands and to be able to sing be prepared also mm-hmm. and, and interpret it in a new way with a whole new orchestration from Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. and new lyrics from Tim Rice because the old one didn't fit into our film Mufasa has always shown too much restraint when it comes to hunting when I am king the mighty will be free to take whatever they want because a hyena's belly is never full Mufasa's far too powerful to challenge. Mufasa is yesterday's message. A clapped out, distracted regime whose failings undoubtedly presage the need for a different dream. Yes, Leonine times are a changing, which means that hyenas must too. My vision is clear and wide-ranging, and even encompasses you. So prepare for the coup of the century. Prepare for the murkiest scam. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, decades of denial is simply why I'll be king! Undisputed, respected, Saluted and see for the wonder I am! Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Timon and Pumbaa, knowing that they would not rest until they put in as good of a performance as they could and to make the roles their own. And right up until the premiere, they were nervous about it. Oh, bless uh, them. And then they just stole the show. So I'm very proud of yeah. all of them. There's a couple of specific cues in the film that really resonated with me that I just kind of jotted down as well. When they enter the elephant graveyard, the score that kind of is, is, is yes. over that is... It's terrifying and brilliant and kind of creeps up on you as well. It's so, so good.
and then when Simba's been taught a lesson by Mufasa. Yes. I love that scene. Well, that scene with uh, when he's talking about the king is in the stars, and that's the one that gets me now. You know, I, <laughs> I used to get really choked up all the time from the sadder stuff, and then it's the sort of bittersweet, yeah. melancholy moment there of when the father knows uh, the son's has not really wrapped his head around the notion of mortality and the father knows but doesn't want to take away from the moment but mm. instead gives him context for uh, how to think about the sad things before they happen and and you know so often when you deal with kids your kids you, you want to have them under, sorry, sorry. you don't want to lie no you don't want to lie but you also don't want to reveal too much yeah. so you want to give them something that you know that they'll think back upon and in the case of you know the perfect <laughs> you know little snow globe that a movie is you get to actually reference back to that moment and he remembers but the notion of that the you know that that your ancestors are looking down there and I will to guide you and I will always be there to guide you To me, there's that bittersweet hopefulness of that moment, but also the inherent understanding that there is that life guarantees you sorrow, but yet you can make uh, you can have some of the most sorrowful imagery and moments in this film, and even even the cartoon has you know if you were to list the most powerful sad moments in film, you know I'll bet Lion King would pop up, and that's a cartoon from the 90s, <laughs> yeah. but. Also, what's fascinating about the original is that people would also characterize as, as one of the funniest, most fun, hopeful, inspiring movies that you have. So to have the lowest of the low, but in the highest of the highs by the end, ushered in, as you point out, by the music. The music is what guides you, because there are certain themes that are played extremely sad, like as Simba wanders off alone into the desert mm -hmm. after losing his, oh, I don't know, spoiler alert well, here. Uh, 25 years of spoilers. Okay, so, I think so, we're going to so, be all so turn off. Okay, turn off the podcast. Okay, you're with me? After losing his father, uh, he wanders off in the desert. Hans Zimmer plays the same theme there in a sad way that he plays triumphantly at the end as he climbs up onto Pride Rock mm. and presents his own child, and it is being sung. Uh, you know, uh, those themes come, uh, actually it's as he's climbing up to Pride Rock to yeah. roar and become king it's the same music yeah. orchestrated differently with a completely different set of emotions and that's what's so profound about Hans's work yeah.
we wrap up, I have to say I'm loving the chef show. Thank you. Oh my god, absolutely love it. And good also, music there too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say we Mateo. We recorded yeah. all new music there. Yeah, that. yeah, amazing that. And I imagine you have great playlists for when you're cooking it. Oh yeah, well I love the chef film soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Matthew Schreier uh, put together. That was all. Uh, that was mostly needle drops, but in this case we recorded with one of the artists, uh, the L. Michaels Affair. Uh, brand new music for the chef show on Netflix yeah but really it was nice this was a it was a nice project to work on it's the opposite of Lion King it was <laughs> it was all about um, enjoying life bonding together celebrating um, learning about each other's mm. um, you know through, through food and and music and and uh, filming without knowing what we were gonna do yeah. ahead of time and finding it like with a documentary uh, in the editing room Whereas, like, The Lion King, every pixel, every frame <laughs> was planned and designed and, and uh, had to be ushered through a, 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 this painstaking process. So it was a really good way to balance out my uh, creative life. Amazing. Food, friends, and music. There's nothing better. That's it. Um, great to chat to you again. Thank great you so much. Great talking again. And congratulations right. Next again. Next time, then. Yeah, yeah? thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Cheers. Cheers. Soundtrack to Chef, that's Cream by El Miquel's Affair, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the fabulous John Favreau. My huge thanks to John for taking the time to talk to us a second time round. His astounding reimagining of The Lion King is on general release now, and really it has to be seen to be believed. If you want to hear John start on an episode 5 of this podcast, head to edithbowman.com, which is also the place to subscribe and catch up with every other show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do keep spreading the word with your pals if you like what you hear. Next up, Nick Broomfield returns to discuss his documentary on the legend that is Leonard Cohen. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. (laughs) 